Hello, everybody. Good evening and welcome to Bang Bang Podcast. I should remember the name really by now. Um, my name is Andy, and each week I'm joined by a special guest to talk about an event in wrestling history which took place this week uh, whilst making stops along the way to discuss music, TV, films, gossip, prittle-prattle, whiffle-waffle, and basically any old bollocks which kind of crops into my head, really. Um, this is episode 102, or depending on who you ask, could be 106, 107, 108, possibly 109. Um, I, I must explain. So if you go onto the Apple podcast feed, it will say on the, on the bottom of the thing, number of episodes. I don't know what it says, but uh, there's been a few two-part episodes. There's one episode which just vanished into, ether, into the ether somewhere. But officially, this is episode 102 for anyone else. Any Anyone else who wants to write in and complain about the fucking episode numbers of the year. Uh, of the show um this week we're heading back to 1987 um but first we'll you know we have to go through the the, the housekeeping the formalities like a like a study day i'm not gonna you know uh lay out the format of the show for us all um so thank you to black lakes for our uh, sexy theme music the album for all we've left behind is out now second album's on the way the guys are starting to work on that uh avarice their latest videos out on youtube so go and check that out the lads um one of the boys are going to be on this show at some point. They're going to come on. This is supposed to be coming on this week, actually. But fucking musicians. I, I mean, obviously, I did a, the first 50 episodes of this podcast were done with a musician, in brackets. Uh, unreliable bastards, a lot of them, to be honest. But they'll be on at some point. Uh, thank you to Jake for our artwork, as always. Top man, Jake. Well done, mate. You're always, whenever I message you at half past nine on a Sunday night, saying, have you got anything for me to for the podcast? He's like, yeah, he always comes up with something quite quickly. So, well done, Jake. Thanks to Bubba for last week. Um, I, I quite enjoyed going back and watching that woman, the uh, evolution of the pay-per-view from 2018. It was some good, good matches. It was good to go back to the the beginning of the the Becky Lynch kind of evolution to becoming the, well, briefly probably the biggest star in wrestling for the next sort of six months going on after that. Um, and that was good. I forgot how good that uh, last woman standing match was with her and Charlotte. That was. Um, that was great, and yeah, Ronda Rousey was on it as well. But yeah. um, and Bubba's great; she's lovely, Bubba. So it's um, it's always good to have her on the show. Uh, I'd like to plug, plug. I'd like to plug. I'm not drinking; I'm drinking tea, and I have got my own teeth. Um, they're just not in at the minute. I'd like to plug a few of our pals because um, again, this this run of shows it's been new. New guests most week, apart from today's guest, so I'll get to it in a minute. Um, but we normally have, you know, a, a regular kind of gang of people on. So I'm going to just, you know, mention a few of those guys because I don't want to feel left out. You know, some have got quite fragile egos, especially the lads over at UTC Podcast, Rob and Dan. They uh, talk about wrestling's first and last. Uh, and they've also got an unhealthy obsession with Tank Abbott for some reason, um, which, you know, our guests may actually be responsible for that as well. So... Uh, Morty and Fitch, uh, I mean, I'm not even really sure how to describe that podcast. And I seem to get blamed for that on a weekly basis uh, on their show. Um, but they talk crap basically every week. Um, go and listen to it if, you, if you've got um, if you've got any spare time. I wouldn't bother if I was you. But yeah, that's no, great. All of the SJP uh, <laughs> media out. But Cy releases a podcast. Cy Powell on the show a few times. Releases a podcast probably every 90 minutes. There seems to be another show coming out. So they've got Nitro Knights, which is going back, looking through the uh, the history of Nitro from the beginning. Uh, Chain Wrestling with Mags, which is always great fun, on Monday nights on YouTube. The Doctor Who pod with Cy and Dan Griffin. 
The Waiting Room, which is a Quantum Leap podcast. Quantum Leap is shit, by the way. Um, Murder in Mind, which is coming out. I've never even heard. I don't even know what Murder in Mind is, but Mort is on it. There was some tenuous link to, apparently, the first episode mentions about how much I played for a blowjob in the early 2000s. I'm not sure where that comes into Murder in Mind, but uh, I didn't... Um, I can now, let's say, on the show categorically, I've never paid for a blowjob. So, uh, um, uh, what else is there? They've got the NXT podcast, which goes back to look at the beginning of NXT. Uh, the Rise and Fall of NXT, I think it's called. Um, there's probably others I'm missing out as well, because he does, I mean, so many. Uh, Glenn Abbott, uh, a piece of business, Glenn's podcast, they also celebrated their genuine episode this past week. Um, Glenn's probably I mean everybody comes on this show knows more about wrestling than I do Glenn definitely knows more about wrestling than I do and probably he's got a better taste in music unfortunately he supports Arsenal so he can't be uh, a winner on all fronts can you but, although actually they're top of the league right now at the minute as we speak so um, I can't really say much about Glenn's football team uh, and then coming to today's guest uh, a man again very busy man very busy man on the podcast output front. It's one of the guys behind One Man's Meat Podcast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask where, where the meat. There's a lot of meat links in, in the name of the show, in your name on the show, in Danny's name on the show. Uh, but it's Mr. Chris Bellis. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Andy. How are you doing, pal? Not too bad, mate. It's lovely to have you on the show. Likewise, mate. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah. So where does the meat thing come from? So, um. When I originally came up with the idea for the podcast and I knew I wanted to do something with Danny and he has quite a taste for the obscure, like, uh, we, you know, we, we all joke in the podcast field that he's something of a wrestling encyclopedia because there's, oh, yeah. there's stuff that, like, we forget that, you know, he never will. You know, he, he knows more about, uh, well, the 2007 period especially than any of us would ever want to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And obviously, like, the wrestling podcast market is, I mean, it's its wonderful. There is literally something for everyone. But a lot of people would argue that that means it's an oversaturated market. So what I was thinking of was there's always something out there that um, some people are going to like and some people just aren't. So it was the whole, like, one man's meat is another man's poison yeah. um, kind of thesis. Uh, so that's where we went with it. And then um, because I don't quite know when to stop... Um, <laughs> That's where all the meat puns came in. So, you okay. know, so um, the wife that never actually listens and doesn't really appreciate being involved, you know, she's Miss Beef Elizabeth to uh, to my Randy Savage, I suppose. And yeah. um, I've taken to calling the kids the chicken dippers, which um, my son's going to be um, doing his own podcast with me at some point. So, okay. uh, yeah, so we're starting with all that nonsense as well. So. Yeah, people are going to get pretty bored of it pretty quickly, mate, but there you go. <laughs> so you've got the show, the, the the main show with Danny, which is looking at the, you know, some of those forgotten storylines and stuff, which other people don't probably talk about. And yeah. then you've got your uh, Disgusting Awful, which I was I was actually chatting to Bubba about that, because she's a big, a massive horror fan as well. Um, yeah, mate, I, I really appreciate the plugs with that, actually. It's like, uh, yeah, there's, there's guys like you and um, Dan Griffin and... Um, steve as well that are like really fighting the good fight for that and that's like a real passion project for me and daddy really like we probably look forward to recording that more than we do the the main episodes really oh yeah to be fair if i had the time i'd stop this and do, <laughs> there's so many other things i'd rather podcast about than wrestling but um i haven't got the time 
on, uh, yeah, well, we'll we'll do that Neighbours podcast one day, buddy. Oh, that Neighbours podcast. And the Self Look H podcast as well. And the Minder podcast. Oh, totally, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So one day, to be fair, I'll just put this out every week and just manage. Just, I, I do, that's what I've been doing for the last 100 episodes, basically, is talking about all that stuff under the umbrella of wrestling, to be honest. So, um, And then, obviously, your own show. It's one well, of your sort of side project, the uh, Acceptable in the 90s. Which I was yeah. listening to in the bath actually before I uh, before we started recording this show. Oh, wonderful! Well, you'll you'll uh, you, you'll enjoy the um, extra long soak next week then, mate, because um, it's going to be the first double episode, looking at um, two full episodes of WWF programming. So yeah, but yeah, uh, I mean that that started out again as as another passion project for myself because um, you know I got right into my wrestling around the early to mid nineties, um, but it's something that's really taken off like i was i was surprised how how well a lot of the listeners have taken to it so i thought well let's make it a bit interactive so in the coming weeks and months i, I kind of want it to be a show that the listeners control really so that they'll obviously be the core like we've started from the first episode of raw onwards and the occasional sojourn into wcw but you know if anybody wants me to watch some of the early ecw um i won't like you very much for it but i will because the first few years of that is complete guff but like yeah smoky mountain wrestling some of the herb abrams stuff you know whatever people want me to watch or cover or you know maybe focus on particular wrestlers or errors then i'm all for it really yeah i mean those early rules uh yeah they're a bit hit and miss aren't they but they're, they're they again the, the the joy of watching a 45 minute wrestling show is uh it makes up for a lot of things Oh, definitely, definitely. Like, um, you know, if I ever get a week to myself, I can easily get like six episodes on the back burner because they're they're so easy to write notes for as well because they're just so short. You can be tapping away while watching. And yeah, I'm finding I'm getting so much more done with that show, to be honest. Yeah, we covered, I can't remember which episode we were, we covered just a random episode from the early days. It was, I I can't remember... I think Tugboat was on it. Um, it might have been Typhoon at the time. I'm not sure. It probably would have been Typhoon by that point, wouldn't they? Oh, but yeah. It was, um, it was one which started with, I think it was Luger, Michaels, when it was like a cold open. They were fighting outside in the street before it actually, before the show started. I'm not sure if you'd have got to that point yet. That might be a bit oh, later on. Oh, um, it's Perfect and Michaels, I think. Oh, Perfect and Michaels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's one of the post-WrestleMania 9 episodes. I know okay. that. So I'll be yeah. getting there at some point. But uh yeah, I've currently started the slow slog towards a, a WrestleMania that I'm in the minority for because I quite enjoy it actually. Who was who was I a couple of weeks ago? They said they they loved it as well. WrestleMania Nine. I think it was um, Ben uh, oh, from Randomizers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like he. I think because that was probably one of the first he remembered, mm. and he loved it. Yeah, that's the same. I mean, it was it was part of the um, tape network that was going around school at the time, and. Uh, and yeah, I I got my worth out of that tip. Yeah. I really did, and and like even now it it brings back so many memories of kind of where I was when I watched it. So it's probably more sentimental than a than a show quality because there's a lot of guff on there. But I'm actually quite looking forward to watching it again. It's one of those ones people remember because again, you probably I could how many WrestleManias have been now? Thirty. 30- Thirty-eight, is it maybe? Thirty-eight. You remember WrestleMania nine? Obviously, a because. It was a bit naff, and there was some, <laughs> but it, I mean, it looked iconic. It was it's like iconic WrestleMania just for the the surroundings, the whole layout, some of the matches on there. Um, 
it's just one of those which always sticks in people's memory, whereas a lot in recent years, I mean, if you ask me what happened at WrestleMania, you know, 33, I would never fucking clue, to be honest. Not a clue. Not <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean, no. you know, the builds aren't even what, what they used to be now. I mean, it, it is almost no. just another show or shows since they're doing them in two parts these days. Mm. And like that's that's not aims to be a, a Steve-style rant, but it's kind of... Oh. the. The build-up around WrestleMania is generally very good once you get to the Royal Rumble, but by the time you get to WrestleMania itself, you know, there might be a couple of matches that you enjoy, but half the time you're probably just clock-watching, I think. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the stuff you've seen before anyway, because again, we get yeah. back to the, you know, sort of oversaturation and stuff, it's, yeah, I can't, what was, I can't remember what, what was the main event last WrestleMania was... Oh, wow. Um, um, Sasha and was that last year? Sasha and Bianca, or was Sasha gone by then? This year, even I can't remember now. Roman Reigns, oh, um, and because when was the year before yeah. was the WrestleMania when Hulk Hogan was dressed like a pirate, wasn't it? That was that wasn't this year. Oh, was, was it one where uh, Titus and Hogan co hosted? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was last year, yeah. So this year, I can't remember. That's, uh, that's quite bad. Isn't it? Oh, it it wasn't Finn Roman Reigns. Balor, was it? It was. No, who was it? Was he did Roman Reigns wrestle WrestleMania? Lesnar, wasn't it? It was Reigns and Lesnar at WrestleMania. Reigns and Le- let's yeah. let's just say it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and it probably would be this WrestleMania. Right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. Or was it SummerSlam? It oh, was SummerSlam as well? Neck. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 not letting this go, mate. I'm, I'm yeah. going to look it up. I'm pretty sure it was. Becky, no, Becky, it was Bianca and Sasha. Mm. Was that the year before? Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Kevin Owens in Stone Cold, headline one night, didn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That, that's probably why it was so hard to remember, because and, it was a segment rather than a... And Cody Rhodes came back. Yes, yeah. Cody and Seth, which, yeah, uh, yeah that was quite heartwarming. That She's feels back. like a... About ten years ago, isn't it? It does, it does. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll remember that in particular because um, yeah. it was it was the first time I ever saw my daughter like really jazzed for somebody coming back. Oh, really? I, mean, I, I even had no idea that she knew who he was because she's like mm. John Cena and nobody else. But she went absolutely berserk when Cody Rhodes came out. Yeah. Wow. Who would have thought you'd be saying that since well, I know. ten years ago? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, in ring, night one, the, the main event match, technically, was Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey Ooh. for the SmackDown title. Yeah. And then Roman Reigns did defeat Brock Lesnar uh-huh. on night two. Yeah. There you go. And that was at SummerSlam as well, wasn't it? Because that was when he turned up it with the uh, uh, forklift truck and he didn't turn the ring over. Was that that's SummerSlam? That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. So, so there you go. Right then, so we'll be back next week, guys, with... uh, with (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good night, kids. (laughs) Right, so we're going back to 1987. One of the benefits of going back to 1987 is it's a very, in my eyes, obviously anyone who's ever listened to the show before will be fully aware that I am heavily into 80s music. So this top 10 from 1987, it's good. Oh, it's good. There's going to be a lot of these songs added to the Bang Bang playlist on Spotify, I tell you. Um, so number 10, uh, I've had, so open brackets, I've had close brackets, The Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens. Oh, banger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. a fan of Dirty Dancing? Strong. Yeah. 
so I, I got into a, I had a period where I was like heavily into musicals in like the early 2000s. I think there was a girl I was um, going out with and she was into musicals. So I kind of vicariously got into musicals as well, you know, as in as in a way to kind of stay in her good grace. Um, so we spent lots of time watching Dirty Dancing in Greece and things like that. And uh, but yeah, I mean, Patrick Swayze was cool. I think was he, he was, was. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. You know, he could do like equal parts, um, romantic lead and kind of like action star if he needed to. Like for every Dirty Dancing, there's a Roadhouse, isn't there? So yeah, it's a shame we never saw Terry Funky in the Dirty Dancing as well, as well as Roadhouse. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Good, isn't it? With his knees, he's not lifting yeah. anybody, is he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine, Little Lies by Fleetwood Mac. Okay, uh, I'm. I'm not the biggest expert on Fleetwood Mac, but um, no. I, I probably know it without knowing it, if that makes oh, any sense. Do you want me sense. to sing it to you? Tell yeah. me lies, tell me oh, little yeah. lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Barcelona, Freddie Mercury and Montserrat Caballé. Was that 1987? Yeah, I'm not sure. Wow. Oh, fair yeah. enough. I know, I know the BBC used it for um, coverage of something <laughs> in 1992, so that's why I, I always thought it was from there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cause, yeah the Olympics were in... Boston, what, in 92, yeah. That's right, yeah. 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 Uh, seven, Loving the First Degree by the official, one of the official bands of Bam Bam Podcast, uh, Bananarama. Gotta love a bit of Bananarama. Oh, yeah, we've got that. Uh, yeah, again, as I mentioned last week, there'll be no, there'll be no slander of uh, Bananarama. Absolutely um, not. I not will provide my address. Either. If anyone wants to come around for a fight, I will provide my address online if you want to come around for a fight about Bananarama. And, and number six. Oh, yeah, Chris will be down from Hull, yeah. Number right. six, Never Can Say Goodbye by the Communards. Again, this is a great top ten. It is a very really good is. top ten. Yeah, very yeah. good top ten. Number five, Faith by George Michael. Okay. No? Oh, Chris is... It's a bit overplayed, but I can, a, I can see why people like it. Iconic video. when he, It uh, is. And he stood next to the jukebox, and then yeah. he came back. He had that, that kind of new look of the short hair and the... The beard and the, yeah. Um, mm. Number four, um, yeah, go on. No, 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 I was just going to say um, Limp Biscuit do an amazing cover of it as well, oh, weirdly. God. But there you go. No, there's there's no rapping involved. It's it's surprisingly the right side of cheesy. When the, when when they refer, returned recently, was that was that how Fred Durst looked, or was that a wig he was wearing? That is a wig. That is completely. Okay, right. Wig. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he he looks. Uh, quite a lot like you, actually. To be fair, Does he? Yeah. yeah, he's he's done the full shave and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. No, I, I was hoping it was a wig because he looks like in in uh, one of the most recent series of Larry da- of uh, Caribbean enthusiasm, Larry David's dress, similar, like in a disguise. Yeah, yeah, very much yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get yeah. those vibes from Sam. Um, number four, whenever you need somebody by Rick Astley. I'm not really on white boy soul to be honest. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's. Yeah, I know what you mean. It not not one of his best ones, but I'm not really on the Rick Astley train, I'm honest. Oh, he's got a great voice. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> Yeah. You win again, number three by the Bee Gees. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A, that is a that's definitely that even might that might I think that might even be on the bang bang playlist to be honest. But oh, it's not, gotta be. It's that's gotta going be. on. That's yeah, going yeah. on. Big fan of the Bee Gees. I also think uh if you if you had to fight one of the BGs, which one would you which one would you go for? Because um, I I see them a bit like the a bit like the Bloodline, the BGs. <laughs> Obviously, Barry Gibbs, the 
Roman Reigns. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the Aslan of the group, isn't he? And the other um, two are like the sort of scrawny tag team, uh, Morris and uh, Robin. Yeah. Um, do you know what? Let's say Robin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you wouldn't need to. I mean, who knows? I mean, he could have surprisingly been a Aikido master or something. But he he looks like he wouldn't need to make a lot of effort. And yeah. I'm a coward, so yeah. Let's 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 let let's go for the one that was the poliest. Yeah, Robin. They yeah. they both look quite frail, don't they? <laughs> they do, don't they? They were too. And Barry's the the head of the table. Oh yeah, you I wouldn't mess with him. I acknowledge the tribal chief Barry Gibb. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I I I've actually in a drunken confession, I stood up at Clash of the Castle when Roman Reigns came out and did the whole. Uh, Finger. I think Rob was there as well. Rob, Rob was definitely doing it. He might, well, he he might would, deny yeah. it, but he was doing it as well. And he went, he won as well. We were both up doing the uh, finger fin. I was drunk then. Good I, I, I think Rob, there's, there's no shame in it. I'd have been I think Rob was well driving, now, so he, he was so <laughs> 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 Number two, uh, Got My Mind Set On You by George Harrison. Oh, yeah. I like that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. good tune. I'm not a I'm not a big Beatles man, but yeah, it's a good. No, um, I probably find that I prefer the solo stuff. Really, like yeah. I, I'm a I'm a big Paul McCartney fan. Um, yeah. In fact, and this is going to be quite controversial, the the member whose output I probably could take or leave is John Lennon. I found him to be massively overrated. Yeah, I mean, his solo stuff. I mean, Jealous Guy. Brian Ferry's version of Jealous Guy is better than John Lennon. Far superior. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I'm not, uh, yeah, not my wings as well. Famously, as Alan Partridge said, wing, uh, wings, the band, the Beatles, uh, could have been, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, and then number one, China in Your Hand by uh, Tapao. Oh, oh, I remember liking Tapao as a boy for obvious yeah. reasons, yeah, 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 yeah. So that is a very solid, uh, top 10, I think, yeah. Um, maybe three of those will be added to the to the the bang bang. It, I, actually, to be fair, I, I'd imagine most of them are already on the playlist, but they'll be added to the playlist later on. And we'll get Chris's current wrestler theme suggestion to add to the playlist later on as well. Fantastic. Um, right, 1987 then. So I was nine in 1987. Okay, I was seven, so seven. I would have had no awareness of WWF at all at this time. No, literally nothing at all. Um, but what was going on in this time in WWF? So we've just had, well, so we had it's 1987. So show-wise, there's just there's WrestleMania at this point. Survivor Series started later on this year. So in between WrestleManias, they have regular Saturday nights made events. Now back on, I don't know, back in the dark ages of the show, we covered the first ever Saturday nights main event. Um, and they were shows that were on NBC. And uh, originally you used to take the place of Saturday Night Live when it was on kind of on breaks and they were massive successes. The uh, the pre WrestleMania show from this year in March drew an 11.6 rating on on TV. And a year later, they had the, the main event, I think, which was a rematch between Hogan and Andre the Giant which drew a 15.2 rating, had 33 million viewers, which was still the most comfortably biggest TV rating in American televised history. And second only to Rinka King, which got <laughs> about <laughs> 600 million viewers in India um, and about yeah. 
10 in uh, in the rest of the world. Well, actually, I watched it, and Rob watched it as well. So um, check After out... Day, the, was... as, yeah, so that, yeah, so there's three of us. Check out the episode totally. of um, UTT Podcast, which I was on. Let me check them all out, but especially the ones I'm on. That one uh, yeah. was... Uh, we did the first ever episode of Rinka King. Mm. Very exciting. And I think it's all on Daily Motion as well still, isn't it? I think It is good old Daily Motion. Daily Motion is the place where copyright... It doesn't exist, does it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Every episode of Prison Cell Block H is on Daily Motion, and a lot of the first four or five years of Neighbours as well is on there. So not that I frequent Daily Motion very often, obviously, but they're oh, all no, on there. Not. Yeah. Um, so this episode aired or aired on Thanksgiving weekend on November the 28th, but was taped on the 11th of November from the Seattle Centre Coliseum. Now, we were chatting about this earlier off show. Um, Survivor Series actually took place before this show aired. So, but as we go through this show, there's literally no mention of Survivor Series at all. So I think Survivor Series was on the on the Thursday, I think. Uh-huh. And yeah, then this show aired on the, on the Saturday night afterwards. But there was no mention of anything related to Survivor Series at all, which is a bit, a bit odd. It was weird because, like, you look at some of the guys on here that are kind of um, packaged as almost like, you know, they've barely wrestled for the company. And yeah. yet, in the case of one person, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, he was in the main event of the Spider series. Yeah. And yet, here, it looks like he's just another guy, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Odd. You would have yeah. thought that they would have done a little bit of foreshadowing with the commentary, wouldn't you? That was it, because in that, in that main event of the Survivor series, it was him and Andre, wouldn't it? The last. I think they were the last two, and he was, yeah, yeah. yeah being pushed as a, a big star. And then two days later, he's, wrestling, I mean, arguably a bigger star than Andre the Giant, uh, Hercules. But, uh, yeah, there was no real mention of anything. But, yeah, very strange. But as we said earlier, the uh, the concept of Survivor Series was done to counteract Starcade. So whether it was yeah. a pretty short notice thing. So, And most people listen to the show, and they know the story about Starcade and Survivor Series, and so they could go and look that for themselves. But, yeah, I'd rather talk about the BGs for 10 minutes, but um, absolutely. So, we start off with the hype videos, but they were kind of synonymous, weren't they, with Saturday night's main event? They were, and I mean, they, they pull you right in, don't they? Like, even now you watch them, and it's like, it's this is obviously it's a company that don't take themselves ridiculously seriously. Uh, you know, that they, they know that this is all played purely for entertainment, but they know they're going to get a lot of casual viewers as well. And, and these short snippets of videos, you get to know everything that's going on with like current storylines and feuds and stuff, you know, within the first 30 seconds, they're, they're just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't really get, I can remember when I first started watching wrestling, which would have been kind of 90 ish, whenever we got sky in our mm-hmm. house. And sometimes you come across these Saturday night main events would be on like randomly on a on a, like on a Saturday night, but quite late. They weren't really advertised anywhere. Um, and it was always like a massive kind of shock or surprise to find these things. Mm. Um, and the, the selling point was that, like we said, apart from WrestleMania, there weren't any big shows. So you wouldn't see, you very rarely see Hulk Hogan wrestle. That's right. Apart from Saturday night main events, he'd wrestle on all of those. But in between that, so you may see him wrestle every few months. Um, and as in, you know, since Raw, you know, you, you say you covered the, uh, the early days of Raw. That was the first time on sort of main WWE TV that you're getting proper matches rather than the format of what we kind of all grew up on, which was 
squash match, squash match, squash match, which in theory worked to a certain point. It kind of got people over and established people in in the eyes of the public. Um, but at this point, this was the only format you were getting. Because if you compare it to um, NWA, so the shows they were putting out, the what were the World, Ch- World Championship Wrestling, those shows, the studio shows, the NWA, you know, with um, Shivani and uh, Dave Crockett in the shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they'd have proper matches on there, competitive matches. Yeah, they would. That. Yeah, they would. and Big Ang was played out on TV. That's it, and even like, um, as I've been spotting through watching some of the Saturday night shows on, on the network for Acceptable, you know, their jobbers that they use, they actually get, you know, quite a lot of time to kind of make their opponents look good and actually look good themselves as well, which, you know, would very rarely happen on WWF TV because they're all about putting the the bigger guy over, you know. Yeah. And when you did get angles furthered on WWE TV, it would normally be like in the interview segments in like Brother Love or Piper's Pit, that kind of thing. They use those as sort of storyline bridges rather than have the matches. They'd yeah. have, you know, stuff happen on those shows kind of. So these Saturday night main events were were a big part in furthering storylines in between WrestleManias. Um, so yeah, so we get Randy first. With his uh, looking, his hair looks like a match. That hair would go up in flames on it within seconds. It's like totally. kindling, basically. Well, I mean, to be fair, it probably was was kindling. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Perfectly placed around his head, and uh, yeah, I I don't know how he got away with that for so long. No, no. But he's uh, talking about how the Heart Foundation, the Honky Tonk Man, have entered the danger zone with the Twilight Zone music playing in the background, which was. Uh, obviously paid the uh paid the rights for that one um, well i mean i think it might have been a nbc property so they might oh, have been able to yeah. use it yeah. yeah yeah um and they're going to pay for their actions on the previous saturday night's main event which we'll get to a bit later and uh bobby bobby and king kong bundy uh bobby encouraged to call our friends if we have any or wake <laughs> up our, wake up our big fat wives he's got a uh, a big surprise for us tonight and bundy mania is going to be running wild which uh is debatable and then Absolutely. we get Bucky and Hogan. Well, I mean, he was Hogan was experimenting at this time with different headgear, wasn't he? What, I mean, and substances, by the sound of his promos <laughs> on here. Yeah, yeah. Because he, I don't know when it was, but he had the match with Bad News Brown, didn't he, where he was wearing the, like a helmet. Oh, yeah. Around this time period. Yeah. And in this one, I'm not even sure how you describe what it is he's wearing. It's like a, kind of like a bandana thing, but with tassels. Yeah, it's sort of like do you do you remember the eighties soul singer Rick James? Yeah, yeah. And he had those beads in his hair, didn't he? Yeah. It's sort of like the Rick James hairstyle, but in a bandana. Yeah. Because he had that all along his face, and that was all I could yeah. kind of think with him. Really, is yeah, like why why do that to a, a perfectly good piece of headgear? You know, it's I mean yeah. I, I mean obviously I know he's all right for a few bob, but that's incredibly wasteful. Yeah, and to be fair, it sounded like he spent a few hours with Rick James before he'd done this promo, didn't he? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's, uh, yeah, yeah. I've written, he's oiled up, he's coked up, and he's ready to go. So absolutely. And then we get the intro music. So the intro music changed a few times, didn't it? I think the first few episodes it was uh, Obsession by uh wrecking my ace's brain i didn't write it down and animation animation it's not the human the human league very no but it's very good it sounds like human league yeah it does which is that that's why i was like it was them uh oh is it 
an obsession or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the band. That's going yeah. on the that'll be on the Bang Bang playlist. It's got to be. Yeah. Um. But this one is like the what went on to be like the kind of long term Saturday Night's main event music for a while. Um. Mm-hmm. And then we get Vince and Jesse are on commentary. Jess calls Vince a, a turkey in a tuxedo. Yeah, he, I mean, this was, how many years ago was this? 30, 30 this is where I struggle. 35 years ago, yeah. And Vince looks a different person 35 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was he was 35 years younger for a start. He was minute, 35 yeah. years younger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but he does. I mean, yeah, there's, there's nothing artificial going on there, is there? No, no, no. Um... They run through the matches, so we're getting Hogan versus Bundy, uh, and Jesse does like one one line kind of responses to each one. So Hogan versus Bundy, he says Bundy Mania is running wild. Then Hercules versus Bam Bam, and he says Bam Bam, uh, bye bye Bam Bam. Vince sort of gives him a look as if to say, "The fuck, you're gonna do this for every <laughs> every single one." <laughs> yeah, uh, he certainly knew how to rub his partners up the wrong way, didn't he? Did old Jess? He did, and then we get uh, George Steele versus Dangerous. Danny Davis, um, mm. and then we see a video of Danny Davis hitting George Steele with a ring bell, and then we go backstage with George and Gene and his Elizabeth action figure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. great obsession that uh, George Animal Steele had with Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, they well, yes. certainly played that like a pony, didn't they? They did, they did. So George Steele was fifty at this point. Um, yeah, I can believe that. So he was. Uh, He's quite famous. He was a teacher, wasn't he? A teacher, yeah. and he was a, a football and wrestling coach as well. Before he got into wrestling, decided to earn a few quid by getting into wrestling. Uh, and wrestled under a mask for a while. And his first name was the student. He'd managed by Gary Hart, and was like a big brutish kind of wrestler. WWF, WWF picked him up in '67. Bruno was a big fan, apparently, um, and got him to drop the mask and play a wild man character. He didn't want to use his real name. Because you know he was a teacher, so he used the name of a different football coach who was called George Steele in in Michigan. So it's probably somebody saw on a regular basis. Wow, <laughs> I just used your name instead. Right. Uh, and then feud with Bruno for a while because decent run on TV. Um, had a break uh, late sort of seventies and then came back with this sort of animal character with green tongue and being a being a kind of wild man. But up until the early to mid 80s he would always cut fairly sort of eloquent poem, promos um until one day he was cutting a promo and vince said i think you're being a bit too you know you're supposed to be an animal you're being a bit too kind of polite and making a lot of sense and he did this kind of stupid impression of somebody being you know talking gobbledygook and it's like yes that's it that's what <laughs> that's what i want and then he carried that gimmick on through to the end basically kind of stuttering, yeah. not being able to talk properly. And yeah, Vince obviously saw the, they got the, the, the cash signs in his eyes. It was like, Oh yeah, we can uh, make this guy a star. Um, so he turned face on the first ever Saturday night's main event. He actually turned face uh, and then got involved with the whole uh, Savage Elizabeth kind of thing. He was quite a big part of that WrestleMania three match. People oh, remember yeah. that match as being a classic. They don't really remember George Steele playing quite a large part in that. No, but he was he was the second to Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they yeah they kind of played on that obsession thing, like he was obsessed with Elizabeth. And apparently Savage wasn't a big fan of that storyline. Um, 
but George still said, oh, like, it's, I'm just, just, you know, I'm just playing a character. I think his daughter was the same age as Elizabeth, so. But Randy being, apparently I've heard rumours he was quite jealous, uh, Randy Savage. No, really? Yeah, that's what I've heard on the internet, yeah. That's what I've heard. Oh, he, he seemed like he had it all together, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, um, yeah, so that was earlier on this year, WrestleMania 3. Uh, and then he didn't wrestle many more times after this. So I think he was, um, he retired in 1988 was sitting with the company till the late 90s as a road agent, went into Hall of Fame in 95. And probably the most famous part of his career was he was uh, one of Jay Lethal's uh, groomsmen in TNA when he got married to SoCal Val in 2000 and, uh, 2008, along with, can you remember SoCal Val's other WWF classic-themed groomsmen? Um, oh. Oh. oh, I don't know, Jimmy Hart? I don't know. No. Uh, Coco Beware. Of course. Of course, Coco Beware. Yeah. Of course, Coco Beware. I think they must have paid Jake to turn up for a night as well. I mean, I'd imagine Jake Roberts in 2008 would have turned up for most things if you gave him 50 quid. And uh, Kamala. So, oh, okay then, yeah. Yeah, I can see quite, that. Quite the wedding party. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's taken on Dangerous Danny Davis, the uh, legendary uh, wrestler. So he started as a ref in 81 and wrestled he wrestled a bit under the mask is Mr. X. He was a jobber in yeah. 84, 85, 86. And then in 86, they kind of got the storyline going where he was being accused of being uh, on the take, basically in favor in the heels and um, doing fast counts and disqualifying faces when they were being a bit, uh, uh, he was harshly disqualifying people. And then he became a full blown heel in January of this year. So in the match we uh, we covered on our um, I think we covered it on our British Bulldog episode and our Heart, Bret Hart episode. So the match where the Bulldogs dropped the title to the Hart Foundation. Um, yeah. Dynamite was literally could barely walk. I think Davey carried into the ring just so they could do the old Vince thing of drop the titles in the ring. Um, and they played into that. They used that for an angle basically where I think Dynamite got taken out with the megaphone as well and then um danny davis spent the whole match with dynamite kid checking on dynamite kid which allowed the heart foundation to double team davy and eventually win the belts and that was his kind of full-blown heel turn not long after that jack tunney suspended him and then jimmy hart approached him to become a wrestler and part of his stable and then he won it wrestle he got the pin at wrestlemania three uh, the uh the match where it was the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against the Bulldogs and Tita Santani pinned David Boy Smith. And the, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then he got into the feud. I think he interfered in a um, <clears throat> lumberjack match between Savage and George Steele earlier on in the year. And then that kind of led to this legendary feud. So, so how would you describe what Danny Davis is wearing to the ring? Well, um, it's... <sighs> He's kind of like, um, I don't think the twitching helped either, but he's, he's kind of like the all of the kind of um, symptoms of an epileptic seizure yeah. when he walks, um, mixed mixed with a humbug, I would say, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he had, obviously, if you're a referee and you get the sack, uh, but I made a few quid in the meantime, what you do is you buy smart clothes but you still keep the referee stripes involved in your... Uh... Well, you never know when Jack Tunney's going to change his mind. So, yeah, you 
Yeah. And then, so he had like a, a referee striped jacket, referee striped trousers. Then when he took his jacket off, he just basically wearing a white vest, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. It looks like he's looking like he's in his pyjamas, to be honest. Yeah. Or, um, or uh, Queen at Wembley in 86 was his yeah. favourite gig and he wanted to emulate Mercury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he cuts the promo before... Yeah, he spends half of it looking down the wrong camera, which is always quite enjoyable. Yeah, and, and it was just the whole twitch that came with it as well. Like, he just yeah. would not stop moving. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it was very unsettling, I think. It's 1987. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Like, every, yeah. every heel had to do that, didn't they? It was like, yeah. you can't yeah. just stand still and look menacing. You've got to have a twitch. And, oh, yeah, he had a twitch, all right. So, George Jenner was still well-known for his astute, uh i mean i've never seen anyone that can i've seen people with hairy backs i've seen people with hairy arms but the full combo arms back chest chest everything mm. it, was, it was a sight to behold to be honest we could have certainly done with uh harvesting some of that couldn't we mate oh we could have yeah <laughs> to be fair yeah i mean he yeah he's an extremely extremely hairy man um it's not really classic this match, is it? No, uh, it's it's entertaining. I'll, I'll give yeah. it that. It's it's kind of I suppose it's what you would expect for a show like this because they like to open with a, a little bit of um you know of a spectacle more than anything. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, uh, I mean I I comment on this quite uh, recently on our review of Heroes of Wrestling with Danny. But uh, you you kind of knew what you were getting with George Steele because this was around the time where he knew what worked and he stuck to it very well. So, you know, have people take pity on him um, and, you know, somehow find a way to win, which in this case was through um, Danny Davis kicking the ref, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I quite enjoy the so Danny Davis gets a foreign object out, doesn't he? Which is like, it looks like oh, some yeah. sort of spike or something, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a spoon wrapped up with tape, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just just small enough to not be seen, like. And he was sticking it in um, George Stills' mouth, mm. and just said, "No, no, he's trying to brush his teeth." Which yeah, yeah. you've you've got to love Jesse in this period. Yeah. Like he's very underrated as a heel commentator. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's lots of sort of chasing Danny Davis around, and then gets him in some kind of like arm, basically lifts him up in the air by his arm, doesn't he? Which is yeah, a, a submission hold apparently. And Danny Davis kicks the ref, uh, and it gets disqualified. Yeah. And um, and it looks like George is going to eat the turnbuckle, and Danny Davis attacks him before he gets to do it. So we don't get even, we don't even get that. But I do the way the way he was looking at the turnbuckle, like quite like you know, seductively, like I'm going to get uh, going to get stuck into that turnbuckle. Absolutely. I've never seen anyone look at a turnbuckle before or since. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a spectacle, I suppose, to start the match off. That, yeah, to it was. Off. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh, I've now I've actually I've lost the next page of my notes now, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna consult my phone to see where we got to. So it was. So this is the bit where I. Yeah. So let me go back to the last Saturday night's main event. And we show the Savage versus Honky Tonk Man match. It was like a, a, a rematch, wasn't it? From the, um, it wasn't a rematch, but obviously Savage lost to Steamboat at WrestleMania. And then Steamboat dropped the title not long after Honky Tonk Man. 
yeah. which we covered. A lot of these blokes have actually done episodes about. So if you go back to this to a Honky Top Man episode or a Ricky Steamboat episode, you can find out the circumstances behind that shock kind of uh, title change. Um, and then after that match with Steamboat, Savage sort of spent the next couple of months slowly kind of turning face, um, having some matches uh, against some of the bigger heels at the time and getting more of a favourable crowd reaction. And that Saturday Night's main event previous to this, which was a, a match between Savage and Honky Tonk Man, that match and the sort of aftermath of that kind of fully cemented Savage as a face. And actually, oh, yeah. that after that, uh, that match was the, the first kind of form of the mega powers as well, which is, again, not mentioned in this show at all, is it? No, well, I mean, no, to no, be no. fair, they, I mean, they don't start playing on it too heavily until 1988, I suppose, because yeah. obviously it's the main event for SummerSlam, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, we get a pre-match interview with um, the Heart Foundation, me, Gene, and Jimmy Hart in his Peter Sutcliffe uh, <laughs> face. <laughs> face <laughs> the full get-up, wasn't it? I, yeah. fucking, I can't stand Jimmy Hart. Really? Even even as a the heel, I think I'm soured by the later era face Jimmy Hart with Hogan. Yeah, like I'm I'm fully in that yeah. now at the moment. Obviously doing the whole Mega Maniacs uh, anger inducing stuff. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's some people that just need to have stayed in their lane in wrestling, and Jimmy Hart's one of them. Yeah, yeah. Like he's. That, the, the Jimmy Hart that I know and love is is the heel manager, and that's what works for me. Um, his his whole demeanour and even like the kind of person he is physically, it doesn't mesh as a face manager. You know, no. like he's he's essentially as a face, he's the male Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, there's no. I mean, literally, what is the function of managers anyway? Either it's a like a valet, like Miss mm-hmm. Elizabeth, yeah. or to help. Uh, a heel cheat, basically. Absolutely. Sure when has there ever been like a good male face? It was like when uh, who was the old guy who was with Shawn Michaels? Um, oh, um, Jose, Jose Estrada. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, Jose Lothario. No, yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah. Um, yeah. Jose Estrada yeah. was a another wrestler. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was he was about as much used as a chocolate teapot, wasn't he? Really? Yeah. He just he yeah. just stood there and uh, and yeah, you. You, you take away from the whole dynamic of what Jimmy Hart was good for, because he had the mm. megaphone, didn't he, as a weapon yeah. for his charges. And then all he literally did um, as a face manager was just jump around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But he was being quite mean in this episode to uh, said Elizabeth was the devil's daughter and she was trying to bewitch her men in the last Saturday Night's Made event. So that's why, I mean, that was very unusual for this time in that they showed the the end of that match where yeah. Top Man pushes Elizabeth to the floor and then smacks Savage over the head with a guitar. I mean, the guitar shot was quite frequently done, especially with Honky Top Man at this point, but the laying hands on Elizabeth had never been done before, I don't think. No, that's it. I mean, they really did push some boundaries there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after the Heart Foundation and Gene are talking, then we get um, a promo with Savage and Elizabeth and Gene, first of all, asked the question that the world is wanting to know is just to make sure that Miss Elizabeth is is still all right after the the, the mild push that she got for Nongi Tonk Man. Yeah, which was about four months previous. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is she all right? Although, to be fair, with, uh, and again, this is going to be a bit of a controversial take, um, given that, you know, she was essentially a, 
a wooden marionette brought to life. Um, yeah. I suppose if you didn't check up on her now and again, you wouldn't know whether or not she was alive. Because no, I'll, I'll be very honest, I I found Miss Elizabeth to be quite a useless addition. I mean, like um, apart from that whole, you know, the time that Donkey Tonk Man did push her, like she pretty much brought nothing to the Randy Savage character, um, especially when he was face. I mean, she didn't. It almost seemed like she didn't have the aptitude for kind of doing that job and that she was literally there because of who she was married to, really. Which isn't yeah. her fault, you know. I mean, as we've said, well, as is well known in the past, obviously Savage is quite a jealous chap, so he probably said, you know, give her a job because he didn't trust her. But, uh, yeah, it, she was a character that I felt sorry for as a as a person, like especially later on in life, because... Yeah. I think if she was given the choice, I don't think she'd want to get into wrestling, and Probably it kind not, of should, no. really. Mm. I mean, it was it was a strange kind of dichotomy, because she was, even when she was manager of Savage, when he was a heel, she never got involved. In no. That, it was almost That's what like, I mean. She, she literally came out to the ring with him, stood yeah. there, and then walked out again with that rabbit-in-the-headlights look on her face. Yeah, and he was always a dick to her as well, wasn't he? So it was almost yeah. like... Uh, real life. Simp- yeah, yeah, almost like real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But she was almost there as like the kind of sympathetic kind of, you know, she still sticks with him, even though he's horrible to her. Yeah. Again, mm. real life. Um, and then they did the whole thing about the, the when the mega, mega powers explode. That's, but that was probably a kind of a high point when she was involved. In oh, that yeah. Yeah. Like she, she, to be fair to her, she, she played that well. Yeah. And some of her later stuff with uh, Lex Luger in, WCW, yeah. where she got a bit more involved, was quite good as well. Yeah, that was a bad time, I think, for everybody involved, though, and that, like, personally, why that was a. Well, yeah. it all depends who you ask, really. Oh, I suppose, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't ask her, can you? So, no, I mean, <laughs> good point. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's sad. To be fair, it was a, it was a sad. Like you said, a lot of these people, if they would never have been involved in wrestling, would still be alive today, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, you look at how many lives have been taken as a result yeah. of it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, people that, yeah, in in any other walk of life, they could have had quite a successful yeah. time of it. Yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> on, that, on that cheerful note, moving on. Yeah, let's get um, perky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the Heart Foundation, they'd, they'd beat the Bulldogs to the title earlier on in the year, but this, by this point, they'd lost them to Strike Force, mm. um, so they weren't champions anymore. Um, but they come out, so Anvil comes out to accompany Brett to the ring with Jimmy Hart. Um, and this is kind of, I think this is recognised as maybe Brett's sort of highest profile singles match at this point. Definitely, um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Randy comes out with Elizabeth and doesn't let her in the ring. And then kind of, as he gets in the ring, Night Hart and Jimmy Hart are kind of circling Elizabeth and... That's a kind of constant theme during the match is Savage being distracted by the the heels. So, I mean, how did you find, did you prefer Savage as a, I mean, most people would say, given the choice of most wrestlers, most people would probably say they prefer somebody as a as a heel because people are generally more interested in when they are heels. But did you prefer Savage as a, as a heel to a face or? Um, I mean, I, not to sit on the fence too much, I, I preferred Savage in, general as one of those kind of big three that people remember from uh you know early wwf watching um 
But I think as a as a face character, especially around this time, uh, like he was a very clever person in in the way that he put his matches together, the way that his character was presented, and he is somebody that he he knew as a face, like how to pull at the fans' heartstrings. So obviously, like um, I mean, going back, going forward a bit further, I should say. Obviously, there's the whole um, wedding angle that they do on TV, and you know, a lot of people remember that and have fond memories of it. But one of the beauties of Savage as a wrestler, and this definitely does play more during a face, is that you know, some guys um, such as Hogan, for instance, and there's nothing wrong with this, they would compose their matches so that while it looked um, kind of like fairly even it was all crafted in a way to make Hogan look good like the opponent was just there Hogan had to look good whether he was oh, Hogan selling well or Hogan's getting the win uh, whereas as you see in this match um, Savage was a person that uh, his opponent would look just as good as him like he knew how to tell that story um, and he certainly told it a lot better as a face. Like if you watch a lot of his heel work, um, it is very much the focus is pretty much on him. Whereas when he did get to work face, um, it was very like fair and even with his opponents. So to cut along an incredibly boring story short, um, face, face all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think when I first started watching wrestling, he was the macho king. So he was the, mm. the heel version. Yeah. Um, and I mean, to be fair, he feuded with feud with Dusty, didn't he? They had the whole feud yeah. with Dusty and then the Warrior going forward. And um, but I, mean, I suppose that's the mark really of a, of a guy who can be equally, like you said, he loved him as a as a as a face, and he was equally as kind of effective as he. I never really watched any of his WCW stuff because I wasn't really into WCW <laughs> at all until later on. And with, with WCW, I have watched. I kind of stopped halfway through sort of 97 where well, I got fed up at the end of your stuff. I thought for stuff I've gone yeah. back and watched for, you know, other podcasts and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match is, it's going to be good. Isn't it? You've got Savage in his prime and you've got Brett who's kind of reaching a, a high point and, and, you know, about to go, I think is it the it's WrestleMania, the next WrestleMania where he wins the, the battle Royal. Yes. And Bad News yeah. Brown, smashes the trophy up and or did, did, did bad news win it and i think bad news wins it and brett smashes the trophy up all the other way around yeah maybe either way yeah 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 um but yeah this go this is kind of a bit of a snapshot into the rest of he's going to become sort of two or three years down the line isn't it brett yeah definitely definitely and it does show when uh when we covered brett we spoke about his um his heel turn in 97 and how his style of wrestling, it was, uh, it started wrestling translate to being a heel and a face. He didn't really have to change his style of wrestling that no. much. He's kind of got that kind of submission based where he can be equally ag- as aggressive, you know, targeting the body part like he does in this match with Savage. That oh, sort yeah. of translates similar to the way to Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan can doesn't really need to change the way he wrestles between heel and face. You can still wrestle in that that sort of aggressive submission style. Um, yeah. And it translates to working with big guys and, and small guys. So, um, but yeah, so the story of the match is, so Savage obviously is after revenge, isn't he? Um, yeah, absolutely. 
and then he uh so brett's sort of working various body parts and savage goes over the top rope and lands on his ankle mm. apparently and sells it <laughs> quite magnificently yeah and the whole and thing it, about yeah it it just it makes for like an amazing dynamic for the rest of the match as well doesn't it like yeah you know i mean again he he knew how to get the fans behind him without making his opponent look you know any worse for it yeah yeah and there's a good shot before they go for as they go for break there he's on the floor and he's trying to get the boot off and elizabeth sort of stood over him and then behind her jimmy hart brett hart and Nightheart sort of walking up behind her and then they sort, of, they sort of go for a break and they're like oh what will happen to if he can't continue what's gonna happen to elizabeth mm. like they're gonna run off they're gonna run off or something like that like you know that would be 1987 exactly. so yeah and then they come back from break and he's got he's taken the boot off and he's so basically wrestling in one boot and a sock and i'm not sure mm. that's going to help the pain in his leg by taking the boot no. off if anything it's probably going to make it worse because yeah. I, yeah. I, I imagine the boot would be a bit more rigid mm. yeah so he wrestles the last five minutes with one boot on um and we get yeah so brett's punishing and punishing and punishing and then he catches him in like a sort of uh small package and a sort of inside cradle kind of thing and, and gets the pin yeah and like i was i was watching this with my boy when he came back from school and yeah you know he picked up on how clever that was kind of so yeah i mean it's it's i mean again like the the reason that savage has won is because he's taken advantage of the momentum that that move would give you yeah um and and yeah that's the thing like it's it's really clever in that you know he's made bret hart in the fans eyes look like he could be any of the bigger stars at any point you know yeah. and this is a guy that at this moment is still uh purely a tag team wrestler so you know he he knew how to kind of set people up to be stars of the future and you do see a lot of that in his wcw work you know like he yeah. he helped to build guys like ddp um I mean, he tries it with Evan Courageous as well, which doesn't work. So he doesn't have that great of a hit rate. But, um, you know, it like it was around that time in his career where it was like, who can I make? Like, you know, he, he famously wanted to build Shawn Michaels, didn't he? If, if he'd yeah. been able to stay and that didn't happen. So and it's a shame we didn't get again. If you can imagine if he would have stuck around because he's only got what well, we in 87. So by by 91, 92, he's. So when did he go? 93 he goes, doesn't he? 94 it is, yeah. So, so in 90, well, in 93, 94, he's um, mostly doing commentary. Yeah, yeah. But of course, he wanted one last run. Um, they weren't prepared to give it to him. Yeah. And, you know, it was a completely unselfish run he wanted as well. You know, he wanted to build Shawn Michaels as the next guy. Yeah. And then he appears on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, yeah, it may look very different if he'd have stuck around and had those matches with... Brett in 94, 95, Sean 94, 95, even working the big guys like Diesel and that. And, oh, yeah. He could have yeah. done so much stuff for so many people, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. But there we go. What ifs? Um, Indeed. Yeah, but great match. And then sort of he avoids a post-match beatdown. And and that, that's what does make me laugh is, again, you've had Survivor Series two days before this. <laughs> There's no, no mention yeah. of any of that at all in the uh, in the thing. And, uh, yeah, so they're... Um, they're speculating this could be the last time he ever wrestles after that injury. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, right. King Kong Bundy then. So Bundy was 33 at this point. Wow. Uh, I, I always thought he was younger than that, you know. Yeah, he's got one of those, again, one of those faces. He's got a big yeah. face, to be honest. One of yeah. those faces, yeah. And, you know, he spent most of his career, well, from 
the late 80s onwards because he had a head of hair in Mid-South, but yeah. he spent most of his career looking like an adult baby, really, didn't he? Yeah, like a big fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so he was. Yeah, he did the rounds, didn't he, for a few years in uh, in the territories and stuff. But then he signed for WWF in '85. Famously beat yeah. SD Jones in nine seconds at the uh, first yeah. WrestleMania. Um, and then he he was initially managed by Jimmy Hart, but then switched to Heenan. Feuded with Andre in '85 when Andre was still face. Um, and then got involved with the program with Hogan, which led to him main event in WrestleMania 2. Incredibly, kind of gets forgotten uh, in a steel cage match. And that, I mean, that was the comfortably the high point of his career because by WrestleMania 3, he was yeah. involved in a match with small people when he yeah, he, he body slam was it? I can't remember the name of the guys that were in it, like Little Beaver and people like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Lord, Lord Littlebrook. I Lord think. Littlebrook, yeah. I mean, he got everywhere, didn't he? But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were all like, you know, like little stereotypical racist names, weren't they? You know, yeah. because one of them looked a bit like a Native American, one of them looked a bit like Mr. T. Yeah. I remember all that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, do you know what? I mean, again, this is this is my one man's meathead on, and you know, we we talked about this, did Danny and I? But yeah. I thought King Kong Bundy was quite underrated. A lot of people won't agree with that, but yeah, um, I mean, he he kind of gets talked about. I mean, especially in '95 when he comes back for the Million Dollar Corporation, he kind mm. of gets talked about as a waste of space. But actually, I mean, in wrestling, it it, take, it literally does take two to tango in these matches. And I genuinely think that he was uh, an underrated worker, really. Yeah, I think he gets a lot of shit for that last run because I think when he came back, he was all right. And then yeah, it was for that for the Undertaker match, basically. That's what he gets the the grief yeah. for. But I think that was quite the story goes that was put on in quite short notice. I think when and then, yeah, then he turned up almost like the day of, looking completely out of shape and couldn't do a thing and was fucked basically. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, and it's like uh, for that reason, he, he kind of gets looked at as like the Undertaker's last bad opponent. But yeah, I think if he'd had a bit of preparation, I, that match would have been uh, um, remembered a lot more fondly. I think that's one of my only very few. I've got a few strong opinions, but I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not about wrestling, but but no, um, the Undertaker in the nineties, post um, his feud with sort of Jake Roberts. Hmm. It was bollocks, basically. Up he had until up with a lot of nonsense, didn't he? Up until um, maybe winning the title again in ninety. When was that? 90, early ninety seven when he won the title for the second time after yeah, the yeah, Michaels losing his smile. That's the only reason he won the fucking title on it again. Um, yeah. But from that ninety one till ninety six, ninety seven, he was involved in a lot of shite. Oh yeah. Yeah, had to endure a lot. It, it certainly says a lot where one of the highlights of, of that run is uh, a feud with the Berserker on Superstars. Oh, that was great. That was, it was great. It you know? was great, and yeah. it was, and that's the thing. But it's like, you look at everything around it and it makes it look like Tanahashi yeah. versus Akada, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he tries to stab him with the sword, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah so, I mean... It's difficult. I mean, they sell him as, don't they? He's supposed to be four hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah. Now, I'm not. I don't think he's four hundred and sixty pounds. Do you? Definitely not. No. no. When you consider, <laughs> no. like, you know, the big show was always billed as being five hundred pounds. Yeah. Um. You know, he's he's probably closer to like high three hundreds, maybe. 
Yeah, and he's like he's probably about the same height as Hogan, so he's not oh, particularly yeah. yeah. So, um, but I mean, pre-match, Bobby says it's going to be a big. He's got a big surprise, doesn't he? So, talk about the yeah. big surprise again. And Hogan cuts a promo talking about his uh, veins and his secondary survival system, which uh, I yeah, the the extra something uh, behind yeah. his heart, which is obviously yeah. the uh, the the cocaine causing it to overwork, probably. Yeah, yeah. He did mention his ventricles. He mentioned his ventricles, didn't he? Our pack behind <laughs> his right ventricle, yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, mate, I think you're describing a pacemaker, but never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, with prayers and vitamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Andre, he looks great, Andre, I think, at this time period. Yeah, he did. Very I smartly mean, dressed as well. Like your granddad. Yeah, like granddad yeah. going, to, uh, <laughs> going to the pub kind of dressed. But it almost made him look more intimidating to me, I think, than that yeah. that onesie thing they used to put him in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he kind of wanders down, doesn't he? Um, my first memory of Andre the Giant, I think, was when he, his last kind of run was when he was aligned with the Bushwhackers. Yeah. And he had a job to, poor bugger, had a job to walk at that point. He was like a nice, friendly old man, Andre. He's probably about 45, wasn't he, at the time? But he looked That's like... That's it. Yeah. Yeah, but like what? he'd always walk out halfway through the match, wouldn't they? And it was it was yeah. the the chance for the camera to pan away to see him walk, which you know, given that he was out supporting the Bushwhackers, it was sweet relief for anybody that was watching the matches because yeah. you know they didn't have to watch Luke and Butch for a bit. But yeah, you could see him visibly struggling, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the title match, the the, the, the the title was on the line in this match as well, which is uh, yeah. Um, I mean. Standard sort of Hogan fair for the first few minutes, and it's uh, it looks like we're going to get a short match because we get the big boot and uh, and he goes to go for a leg drop, and then Andre pulls Hogan back, and the bell rings, mm. and you're thinking, well, it's a DQ, but it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a DQ, is it? It's like <laughs> no, we'll give him another chance, we'll give Bundy another chance, shall we? Well, why not? Uh, but I mean, I I didn't hate it to be honest. Um, I mean, um, yes, it should have been a a DQ called, um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I haven't made any secret of the fact that I'm not the biggest Hogan fan, um, no. especially during Acceptable. But I think it's got more to do with his later career. Like there was, there was no kind of control over Hogan in WCW, so he yeah. had to be everywhere. He had to be mentioned. He was like the Poochie of wrestling. You always had to talk about Hogan, even when he wasn't around. But weirdly. I don't have a problem with 80s Hogan, even though he's doing the same stuff. Yeah. It seems a lot more controlled. Yeah. I mean, he had his format, didn't he? He had his formula, which worked. Yeah. And it was big guys, you know, get beaten down maybe a few weeks beforehand or leading to the sort of revenge. And then, you know, yeah. it worked with, with Bundy, with Andre, with, again, a, a, a few months down the line from here, you get the feud with the boss man, Earthquake. Mm-hmm. You know, all these guys that you probably wrestled again in WCW five years later. That's it. Whereas in WCW, it was make your opponent look bad in the run up to the match. Yeah. Make your opponent look worse during the match. Yeah. Hit him with a chair after the match so that he can't make anybody else look good. There was was no element of kind of, right, Hulk, you know what's worked with you for the last 10, 15 years. Why don't we just try that? That's not going to work for me, brother. So, no. you know, come on. And, and to be fair, if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, a lot of, I mean, he was, when I first started watching wrestling, 
everybody everybody cheered on Hulk Hogan. He was like the, obviously the biggest star in one of the biggest stars in the world in the eighties and the oh, early nineties. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 all because he stood out as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this match is uh, yeah. So to, the, the the referee's like, well, listen, we'll give Bundy one more chance. Yeah, we'll give it because this is big night. Yeah, why not? And it's a title match. Yeah, it's why not, not? It's not really fair. But on the condition that Andre goes to the back, and Andre's not having it again. This is this is probably this match is about twenty minutes, which is incredible. But it's probably ten minutes of it getting Andre trying to get Andre out of the ring or away from the ring because yeah. he doesn't want to go, does he? He doesn't want to go. And no, Heenan's like, come on, this is Bundy's, this is Bundy's big chance. Like, mm. don't blow it for King Kong Bundy. No, but again, it it does a good job of kind of building that tension between Hogan and Andre because they're getting their rematch at the next show at the the main yeah. event. Yeah. So obviously they move it to a Friday for that, and yeah. it also sets up the possibility of you know Bundy getting a rematch himself as well. You know, where kind of. Uh, you know, there's nobody to interfere on his behalf. So I don't know. It was, I mean, it, you know, it was never going to win any end of year awards, I don't think. But no. for a for a TV match at a time where, as we've said, this match wouldn't be on every week. Um, I mean, it's you call it decent at best. I mean, there's there is. I mean, you know, a lot of those Hogan tropes there where you think, yeah, look, here we go again. But if you kind of look at it in the eyes of you know, casual fans seeing this essentially for free on TV, um, it probably got viewed better than it did. But yeah, it's it's hard to call it anything but just okay when you've just seen Savage versus Brad. Yeah, yeah, I do like the way when they're trying to get Andre away from the from the from the ring, and they kind of cut to a, like a point of view camera, and he's sort of walking towards the, and he pushes the cameraman over. Mm. I mean, that kind of gives you a glimpse of what it would be like if he was, he was coming towards you. It's just, uh, it's quite terrifying. Oh, um, yeah. I made again, made all the better that he's wearing, you know, pensioner down the pub clothes with his braces on as well. Nice set of braces. Lovely, nice set of braces. Um, yeah. So the match restarts and then we get like a five minute bear hug from Bundy. Uh, Hogan breaks free and he ends up outside the ring fighting. Bundy sneaks back in. Hogan tries to get back in and he ends holding Hogan's legs and Bundy wins. <laughs> Bundy Mania is running wild. It certainly is. Uh, you know, he made a believer out of me. Yeah. And that, I mean, to be fair, he's won, so he's got legitimate, you know, claim for a rematch. No. Totally. And I, I honestly can't believe at a time where we've got companies like Squared Circle Tees and Barbershop Window and One, one Hour Tees and stuff like that, that nobody hasn't come out with a Bundy Mania t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I think one of the earlier episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event is when he's dressed up as uh, I think they have like uh, I think it might be the Halloween one when he's dressed up like Abraham Lincoln that one. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. You know yeah, that other T-shirt I'd buy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I'm I'm sure it's out there somewhere on Etsy it's or something like that. Um, but yeah, so Bundy wins and then Hogan gets Bobby Heenan in the ring and beats Hogan up uh, Heenan up for another. Uh, for two or three minutes, as people used to do. Poor old Bobby. Yeah. His bum almost comes out as well, Bowie. Uh, Bobby, yeah. Um, and Hogan celebrates in the ring afterwards, even though he's lost. And Jesse points out on many occasions, that, why is he celebrating? He's lost so much. Why is he celebrating? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get, now we get Mean Gene in the back with Hercules. Check yeah. out our award-winning episode with Hercules, which was, I think, episode 
two, I think, was Hercules. Yeah. And that was, I think that was about 45 minutes long, that episode. Incredibly. You think about what you said. I think we did like Jake the Snake Roberts' entire career in about an hour, which yeah. is bonkers, to be honest, considering the amount of time this rubbish goes on for every week. Um, <laughs> he's over his big chain, Hercules. Yeah. Um, and he's, by this point, he's with Bobby Heenan, isn't he? That's right, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're not far off the point where he sells him to Slick, I think, which is... Um, Doesn't he turn he go for away? a while before going with Slick? Well, because I, I think his match would... I'm not sure if he's had no, his match with Hogan he, or not. He does go to Slick. Yeah. Then he turns face, and then he goes back with Slick, doesn't he? Yeah. Because Slick gets him and Paul Roma together. Yeah, WrestleMania 6 was probably the first WrestleMania I remember. I think he was face... Yeah, it was. WrestleMania 6 with his powder yeah. blue pants. That's right. And he also literally believed that he was Hercules. He was talking about, like, you know, when I yeah. pulled down the pillars of Olympus, and it's yeah. like, mate, you might look like one, but you're not actually a Greek god. You know? No, no. And again, lots yeah. of drugs. He was, but mm. I, I don't know. There's something about Hercules and Andes. Like, I've I've always liked the guy. I, I don't know whether I've got this ingrained predilection for to move Charlie's or whatever it may be. But yeah. There's just something about the guy. Like he, he just, he just ticks all of my boxes and I don't know why, because it's not the kind of wrestling I generally enjoy, but I think he had I, enough because he had his, his, his finishing move was a full Nelson. Wasn't it? That was, uh, cause yeah, when he wrestled right. Billy Jack Haynes or whatever WrestleMania that was, was that free at WrestleMania three. Yeah. yeah. When Billy Jack it Haynes head explodes. Full Nelsons, wasn't it? And he bleeds all over the place. Um, he does. And then I'm not sure when the Hogan match was, because Hogan in that match, he wrestled him on Saturday night's minute, and he had him in the full Nelson, and he he fought the Hogan mm. and tapped out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not sure why I'm giving Hercules an alibi. For it. <laughs> he, he, he genuinely thought he tapped out. But um, yeah, so he's an interview with Gene, um, and he, uh, yeah, he's going to squash Bam Bam's head and make him look like Oliver Humperdinck. Um who manages Bam Bam Bigelow. So Bam Bam came in in 87. The story was when he first came in, it was all the heel managers were competing to sign him. And he signed with Oliver Humperdinck, another face manager. Yeah. And a strange looking man. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's kind of, if if Drag Race was a thing in the 80s, yeah. Oliver Humperdinck would be the host. Okay. Look yeah. at that jacket. Yeah. And he never married, never had any children. So I mean, really, there could have been, there could be something, don't know, could be something well, there. No, he, he could just be. <laughs> I mean, he, he obviously looks like he's repellent to the opposite sex. I mean, that's. that's not, I mean, well, sorry, it's, yeah. it is kind of his fault. I was just going to say it's not his fault, but yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe he was like a Ken doll down there, you know. So maybe I wonder if the curtains match the uh, carpet. Is that a thing? <laughs> is it the curtains in the carpet? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, is so that... kind of down down there, he was more beard than man. Okay, yeah, essentially, yeah. The curtains. Let's just the... say that. Bless yeah. him. That's that thing. It's not not round the back and round the front, is it? No, no, it most know. definitely isn't. Although, again, he does look like the sort of person that around yeah. the back would be almost as long as. Oh, imagine that. Oh. Jesus Christ! Well, no, because um, that's a uh, new low for this podcast. Uh, well, it, trust trust me to be the new low. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. In WCW, uh, in the early nineties, he he manages that awful iteration of the Freebirds oh, as sake. a as a biker daddy. 
And yes. he literally does look like he doesn't wash his bum hole. So there mm. could be something to it. Yeah. yeah. Apologies for any fans of Oliver Humperdinck. Yeah, yeah it's, um, to the to the estate of Oliver Humperdinck, um, don't, don't blame Andy. Um, no. I've, I've got a gob on me. There was, um, have you seen Mick Hucknell recently? He looks a lot like Oliver He does look a lot like Oliver Humperdinck. <laughs> yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, God. Uh, so, I mean, this is a match, isn't it? Two days earlier, oh, Batman Bigelow was the something. main star of Survivor Series. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's wrestling Hercules. And this match, again, stalling the match. So we get a, uh, a double count out. Mm. Um, and you think, well, that's it. We can all go home. But no, uh, Bamba gets the mic and challenges his family. Yeah, we'll just fucking start it again. Yeah. yeah we've, got, we've got 10 minutes left to kill, so... Yeah. Which and is you an know, they've, they've just yeah. had another match that's continued in a yeah. similar vein prior to it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's do that yeah, again. Yeah, just do it again. Yeah. Um, and they do, so... Uh, Bam Bam catches Hercules off the top rope and then there's like a kind of splash and he sort of um goes over the top rope splash oh yeah the uh the slingshot splash yeah yeah thing. yeah yeah um and he wins what, what a monster says vince yeah um, um again going back to a, a previous conversation much better as a heel oh yeah yeah because yeah. when he turned face in what well, after wrestlemania in when was that 90 96 is it maybe yeah, yeah. Yeah, and after Lawrence gone. Taylor match, wasn't it? Yeah, he was, He was what, he was um, main event in WrestleMania. And then we covered, in this run, we covered In Your House 4, I think. Hmm. And he was, um, who did he wrestle on that? He, wrestled, he was losing to the Davy Boy in that, kind of midway down the card. And he was part of the Million Dollar Corporation. Yeah. And he was gone about three weeks after that. So, like, yeah, a bit of a waste, bam, bam. Yeah, it was really. Um. And obviously, the, I forgot to mention that there's Brian Bosworth in the crowd. Uh, the boss, yeah. An actor, Brian Bosworth. Now, I looked up earlier what films he was in, because I remember him being in some films, mm. Brian Bosworth. I, I think didn't even all... know he was an actor, to be honest. I, I only know him from his stuff with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, so Brian Bosworth, the nickname The Boz. Yeah. He was in, what films was he in? He was in some good films. <laughs> he was in... Um, one Man's Justice, which I've never heard of before. A film oh. called Stone Cold, I've never heard of that. A film called Virus, I've never heard of that. Three Kings, he was in that. It was, was Ice what? Cube, Three Kings, which oh, is Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, he was in the, 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 the Longest Yard. Oh, yes, I've, I've seen him in that, yeah. I've not seen that. Um, and he was in a film called What Men Want in 2019. Okay. <laughs> um, and lots of other films which don't have Wikipedia links, surprisingly. So I'd imagine they're not um, not Any the greatest yeah. films of all the time. Uh, and he, <laughs> in 2008, Brian Bosworth assisted with the rescue of a woman who rolled her SUV in the east of Winnipeg. In 2009, unrelated to this, he administered CPR to a fuller man in the parking lot until medical help uh, arrived. So, oh. yeah. Good on him. That's the boss. And that his medical... boss. And um, if you've got Disney Plus, there's a wonderful ESPN documentary about him. Is there? Oh, yeah. Because um, he, he kind of tries to say that, you know, he's, he's two people during his sports career. Because uh, whenever okay. he got into any trouble, 
that was because of the boss. Right. But when everything was all right, it was Brian being Brian, and it's it's quite a okay. interesting documentary if you ever get time to watch it. I think it's about half an hour long, maybe forty minutes. Okay, it's a bit like Finn Balor or uh, Bray Wyatt. Essentially, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah just yeah. with sunglasses rather than face paint, really. Yeah, or yeah, both selector masks. <laughs> yeah, well, the um, the boss wears those amazing nineties wraparound shades. Okay. Kind of things, yeah. So that's that's when you know he's about to, you know, be a wrong one. Right. Okay. Good. That's quite handy to have alter egos, I suppose, that you can explain. It, it is. Can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we get more Gene uh, and Bundy, Bundy, Bundy and Andre action. Bundy, King Kong Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> Bundy the Yeti. It's the greatest night of Bundy's life. Uh, actually, he would have been a good choice of the Yeti, wouldn't he? It would have been. He'd have been yeah. perfect. Wraps up in all those um, bandages, trying to bum uh, Hulk Hogan. That would have been Definitely, great. Definitely, yeah. Um, he, he, wants a rematch. he wants a rematch with Andre in his corner. Jesse comes in to celebrate with them. And yeah. then Hogan, Gene, Hogan wants a rematch too. And he wants Andre in the corner. Mm. But he's got all the Hulkamaniacs in his corner. And um, they all get together at the end. Vince... Gene and Jesse, and yeah. Jesse asks Gene, "How's Bobby Heenan's neck?" And Gene says, "I don't care." So, Do you know what? I would have absolutely loved it as well because um, Jesse gets a word in, doesn't he? Yeah. I would have absolutely loved it if Gene had just gone nuts and lamped him. Yeah, I just fuck you, just just leave it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like I say, I mean, uh, we're we're allowed to enjoy Jesse Ventura uh, for what he does in wrestling, but. Yeah. Um, I, I get the impression that he was quite the difficult person to get on with for, for oh, whatever yeah. company he worked for. You know, I can, I can see a lot of people quite openly wanting to just, you know, knock him senseless. But he, I mean, he was a big star by this point. He talks oh, about yeah. his movie career. Yeah. Amid, sure he's amazing he, in Predator. This is 87, isn't it? So when was his um, acting career? So 87, that would have been The Running Man. The Predator was 87. Yeah. Um, Commander might have been getting filmed around this time. Yeah, The he, Running he Man. He probably did like two or three films in quick succession Yeah. that were due to come out. But yeah, I know The Running Man was definitely around that time. Yeah, that was I, 87. Yeah, that was the first film I watched where I was literally just aware of him because those were the videotapes that they had in Woolworths of him doing the commentary and stuff. So that was the only reason I knew him, really. Yeah. I remember doing one of the... Um, covering a WCW show after he switched mm. to them in 93 and he wasn't on commentary because he got a DVT whilst filming uh, Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I can't even remember what show it was. Cause, uh, no. But yeah, it's um, it's around that time where um, Bill Watts is still there, but kind of everything's about to kick off with him, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's it. Basically. Yeah. No John Dave Meltzer ratings. He didn't. He didn't do ratings for Saturday night's main event. So you can make your own. Actually, let's let's go for the Chris Bellis ratings. Sorry. All right. So um, King Kong. No, no, we'll go for George Animal Steel versus uh, Dangerous Danny Davis. Um, entertaining enough for an opener. Um, kind of what you expect from George Steele. Two stars. Two stars. Okay. Okay. Um, Bret Hart and Randy Savage. Bret Hart, Randy Savage. Um. Oh, let's see. Well paced. Both guys looked brilliant. The ending doesn't affect anybody. Um, do you know what? Three and a quarter. Oh, I think 
if you that's a that, cop out, isn't it? That's if you given out. that first match two stars. No, <laughs> like no, uh, really no, cool. no. Do you know what? Yeah, I'd I'd give it a four for the okay. the the story pushes it up there for me. Yeah. yeah, I think it's at least twice as good as that first match. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. Right then, uh, Bundy and Hogan. So I enjoyed it. Uh, it was entertaining enough, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's more about the spectacle than the actual match itself. So, oh, I can't say three. Uh, two and three quarters. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. And then uh, Bam Bam and Hercules. Um, uh, do you know what? As as much as I like both guys, it probably is the worst match of the night. Um, okay. One and a half. Okay, one and a half. Are you a harsh man, Chris Bellis? It's more to do with Bam Bam. Uh, you know, yeah. if this had been 1995, then it, it would have easily got three. Okay, okay, fair enough. Right. So yeah, so that that was the, the Chris Bellis race. If you any any uh, issue with those, um, Chris will tell you where to get in contact with him in a minute, and you can uh, you can take issue with that. I um, mean, I've 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 just got over one Twitter meltdown, guys. So I could probably do with not having another. Although <laughs> I could exercise my inner Dave Meltzer and um, do quote tweets with um, snarky replies for you all. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd be but, safe, mate. But yeah, the the opinions of well, no, I mean let's let's do a, a Brian Boswell the boss thing. So yeah. this is actually Big Meaty Cool speaking, and okay. the opinions of Big Meaty Cool don't necessarily reflect the views of Wrestling Twitter in any yeah. way, shape, or form. We've, we're already gonna have the Oliver Humperdinck fans on our case, so the uh, you know the all uh, all one of them, all yeah. one of them, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you, if anyone can confirm if the the curtains and the, the carpet do that <laughs> no no don't, don't right um next week so uh next week we've been joined by uh a man who features every week on utc podcast uh steve oh, the man nice. famous for his uh booker at better segments and yeah. man who's on the uh, i don't really understand the fantasy league stuff he does but he's on that and he was on chain wrestling this week and he wanted to cover survivor service 2013 now, why, I hear you ask, and that's a very good question, actually, because, um, I mean, I've watched it back, and there's some good stuff on there, but the main event of that show is Randy Orton versus the big show for the uh, for the world title. That's uh, Ike, um, authority period Randy Orton against face, at that moment, big show. Uh, Cena versus Alberto Del Rio for the world title. That could be good. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, a Survivor Series match full of jobbers from uh, various parts in 2013. Uh, a match I've forgotten about, which was um, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan against Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Which, oh, yeah, it would have been um, the best in the beard, were they called? Yeah, 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 they were, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's quite good. Um, nice. There's a women's um, Survivor Series match, which isn't, uh, isn't great. And we get... Uh, Bully period Ryback coming to the end of his run against a returning Mark Henry. Okay. So I mean, well, look, um, Steve-O is going to be great value. For oh, he's me. good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tune yeah. in for that. Honestly, I I love the guy. Um, yeah. Not not because he's a huge supporter either, which I find baffling to be honest. <laughs> yeah. but I'm I am my own worst critic. But no, um, Steve is a good kid, and his his podcast is fantastic as well. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he, he's 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 going to be a great guest. He really is. Oh yeah, it'd be good fun. Um, 
I mean, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I'm not going to do the top 10 from 2003. But we might, we might, might be something interesting in there. But we'll, we'll find something to talk about. Uh, and yes, Steve, Steve was great. So it'll be a great laugh. And yeah. um, I think people listen to it anyway. It doesn't matter what fucking... Whatever we... It's the same <laughs> we all, as most weeks anyway. Yeah, so We all tune in for you. Anyone yeah, else? Of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's my, it's my personality gets... Too, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah... Um, what else was I going to say? So we're going to be covering. So we've got Summer Series next week, and then the following week it's uh, Stephen Graham returning to do Survivor Series '91, the Gravest Challenge, um, and then John Lister, famous Bristolian. I mean, he definitely knows more about wrestling than I, than oh, I do. John, John Lister is an absolute yeah. legend. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about a episode of World of Sport from 1976, which I watched, and it is fucking quality. <laughs> it's great. Classic. And then into December, what have we got into December? We've got um, Ash Preston, comedian Ash Preston. He's joining the show to talk about the first ever Slammies, wow. which took place in the uh, – in, there's lots of cocaine involved yeah. in that. And uh, Ash is a massive talent as well. So, that's yeah. again, that's an episode I'm looking forward to. Definitely, yeah. Most definitely. And I'm now consulting my spreadsheet because I've forgotten what we got for the rest of uh, December. Um, that's about it. There's, there's, a, there's a couple of blank weeks, so look forward to whatever I come up with on those weeks. Um, and we're going to be doing the Christmas crackers again. So over the Christmas period, um, there'll be some shows coming out. I haven't recorded any of them yet. And you might get a message, Mr. Bellis, to come and do one. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've got all that to look forward to. And it's it's almost Christmas. I mean, we're in the in November now, so technically people are getting in the mood for Christmas football World Cup as well coming up in a, in a few weeks' time. Oh yeah, yeah, bit of a Christmas in Qatar. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So, mate, before you tell us what we're going to play out with tonight, I'd like you to go through and list all your various wares and where we can find you and uh, flog anything you want, basically. Yeah, most certainly. So um, on a personal level, uh, you can find me at Real Chris Bellis on Twitter. Um, I'm, as Rob would say, I am literally all about the mutuals, but uh, I have a, a myriad of interests. So I'm very happy to talk to people about, uh, well, wrestling, obviously, uh, music in all of its wonderful forms, gaming, uh, parenthood, whatever it may be, um, from a kind of podcast business point of view uh do please throw us a follow at one man's meat pod on twitter um we've got plans for 2023 to put a few more shows out there um various things going on that i've sent a few messages to people about so a lot of irons in the fire um but yeah very exciting times i'm also toying with the idea of some kind of merchandise i mean i know we're new and we're not quite that big but uh I am a massive narcissist and I do like the idea of uh, <laughs> something I'm doing being on a on a T-shirt somewhere. Uh, but no, uh, do do please get involved. I mean, we, we are massively thankful to um, obviously your good self, Andy, and Rob and Dan and, and Cy for, for the support that we've had, the encouragement that we've had as well. And um, yeah, things are going really well with the podcast. So yeah, do, do please give us a follow and... Uh, we're open to any and all forms of feedback and chatting. So one of the one of the, the best things about doing this podcast is actually we've developed quite a good little gang of friends mm. doing things like this, going to Cardiff, all these people we've spoken to like over the years doing the podcast. 
already top blokes as well in real life. So oh, yeah. the legacy of the show will be whatever. But the one thing that won't change is the amount of friends and pals we've all made along the way of doing all this stuff. So it's great. My voice is going to go again in a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, so great to have you on, mate. Uh, lovely to look back at 987, especially that top 10 was fucking magic. Um, and yeah, what, do you, uh, what should we finish with? Okay, so, um, I, I mean, with current wrestler themes, I was kind of racking my brain. And to be honest, a lot of this is to do with the fact that I believe that this is an 80s tune itself. Okay. And this is nowhere related to my feelings for the wrestler himself, because I think he's a, a massive cretin and both a drain and a detriment to the wrestling business. Yeah, but Mad Cat one, Moss. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I love Mad Cat Moss. Oh, what, sorry. What, what, what are you on about? But um, the one thing that Orange Cassidy has going for him is his current theme, which is uh, the amazing Jane by the underrated Jefferson Starship. Excellent, excellent. Yep. Well, that'll be coming up in a minute, and we'll add that to the uh, to the playlist. And <laughs> I'm not a fan of uh, not a fan of Orange Cassidy. Then. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all for comedy in wrestling, um, but I'm sorry that that guy makes a joke of the sport I love, and it is a sport. And it's people like him that make it a laughing stock. I, I don't even get why the incels that mostly make up the AEW crowd like him because I, I, I just don't get what he brings to wrestling at all. But he's marketed very well, and he, I, I suppose you can't argue with that. We've had to wait an hour and 41 minutes. We finally got the round. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. I don't think in, in uh, show 100 when me and Steve got together. I don't think he mentioned Orange, Orange Cassidy. I mean, he no, and he was he was surprisingly balanced in his views of AEW. I felt like it wasn't yeah. just a kind of one direction um, kind of rant for the sake of ranting. He, he was surprisingly balanced. Yeah, I think to be fair, some of his criticism in the past of AEW, I think, it's been a bit harsh. Yeah, but I think I at the moment it's quite clear. There's serious issues there. Whereas in the past, I don't think that was the case. I think he was just, there's certain people he doesn't like. But yeah. now, I think there are visible cracks and issues in, in AEW. Yeah. So I think that he, you know, some stuff in the past he may have done for effect slightly. But this mm. time, he was being quite genuine and, and he was, putting out stuff which... Which I mean, he, he, he was absolutely spot on. Uh, I mean, um, in, in my current viewing of AEW, so every, I, I go through the ITV route, so it's all on a set-top box. Yeah. And because life gets in the way, I'm currently in February of this year. Okay. And I don't want to leave, mate. It's brilliant. Mm. Everything about AEW at the beginning of this year was done really well. Even the stupid comedy stuff, I was even starting to tolerate the flipping Young Bucks, and everyone knows how I feel about the Young Bucks yeah, and yeah. Kenny Omega, but it's just, the whole time I'm watching this stuff, and my daughter's loving it as well, and it's the kind of wrestling that I don't want her to get into, like, she's yeah. had a good, she's had a good background and wrestling education with her old man, um, but it, it's our little time of bonding before a bath um, on a night, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, She's going to start asking me some questions about why doesn't this make any sense in a minute, and yeah, I'm just going to have to keep my mouth shut. So I'm I'm really not looking forward to getting to the end of the year with AEW, and I 
I really don't get why somebody isn't volunteering to be Tony Khan's filter because it's it's obvious that he's he's had this kind of the first three years of AEW has been booked brilliantly and it's obvious that he's had a very clear-cut plan of what he wanted for the first three years yeah and he's now coming to the end of that and that it it shows in the booking because it's kind of he's had his plans but there's no kind of what's next you know yeah yeah definitely well, before we embark on another hour of AEW, yeah, right. which right. we could do. Um, yeah, well, thanks very much, guys. My voice seems to have come back now, so that's quite good. Uh, we'll have a bit of Jane in a minute, and um, we shall see you next week. Thank you again to Chris. Go and check out everything One Man's Meat related. You can find them. They've got their own channel, and they're on the UTT channel as well, aren't you? I that's think. right, we are, yeah. yeah our, that's right, yeah. Our main yeah. Show, so, uh, show up on there seven days in advance. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. go and check Treat them out. Yourself. I, most people who listen to this show have got good taste. So, uh, yeah. And right, then, then there's people who listen to Morty and Fitch. But, right, on that <laughs> bombshell, uh, I shall leave you, and uh, take care, guys. We shall see you next week. Love you, Lose. Bye.